So I was uh, probably seven or eight years old and um, lived in Brookhaven, Mississippi on Palmer Avenue. And our house was situated so that there was one long hall. My bedroom was at the end of the hall, and at the opposite end of the hall was where the bathroom was. When you'd exit my room, immediately to my left would be my parents' room. A little bit further down the hall was my sister's room. And at the end of that hall, opposite of my bedroom, was the bathroom, but there was also a sort of split where you could go into the den, which is where all the life really occurred, and the living room, which is where most people, the only thing that really occurred there was on Sunday night after church, people would come over and the adults would eat dessert and drink coffee and talk. And all the kids played outside. Well, being a seven or eight-year-old and being able to conjure up things in my mind, sometimes fearful things, in the dark of the night, when I would make my way from my bedroom to the bathroom, because I needed to go to the bathroom, I would get to that split, and over on the living room side, my mind conjured up a man crouching with a knife. It was completely in my imagination. But I saw it every time I made that trip. I would run in my little sock feet quick as I could. I would come back. Sometimes I would go to my parents and I would say something to my dad and he would dutifully get up and go look in the room because he knew I needed him to go look in the living room and see that there was no man crouching with a knife. Sometimes... I don't remember every instance, but I'm sure he rolled over and said, Brian, go back to bed. There's no man with a knife. Sometimes I just sprinted back to my bed. That living room had a pane window where the light would come in just from the street light on Palmer Avenue, and I would see, I knew I saw that man crouching with a knife. Darkness has always been, or often is associated with fear with things that are scary, even with violence. Movies, TV, they do a great job of portraying things that happen in the darkness of night. Sometimes now, I don't know about you, but I look around me and it just seems like everything's dark. There's just confusion, chaos, Everything's a crisis. That's because there's a lot of darkness. But there is a light that I want to remind you about. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus is talking, interestingly, um, after the woman called an adultery... It's not necessarily the same occur, uh, occurrence or occasion. But he makes the statement, I am the light of the world. And then in 1 John 1, verse 5, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. 
There's a battle, don't you think? Going on between light and dark. And there's so much darkness because people love the dark. There's this tussle. Sometimes it's even within ourselves, between the flesh and the spirit. Sometimes it's in our immediate world and we're affected by dark, scary, even evil things. People love the cover of darkness. Restraint is diminished. And people would, will do things in the darkness and the cover of darkness that they would never do otherwise. But that's not that much of a surprise to us. The Bible tells us, next verse, this is the verdict, John 3. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. For the next three weeks, I'm going to be up here, and I'm going to be talking about light. What does it mean when in John 8 it says, I am the light of the world? What does that even mean? So I'm going to tell you a couple things that I think it means. And they're rather simple. First, there's no other light. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not people you know. It's not celebrities. It's not preachers or ministers or pastors or bloggers or podcasters. There's only one light. And his name is Jesus. And everybody needs him. You know how you know everybody needs him? Look at the darkness. I'm not a fan, and nor am I going to encourage you to turn on your television set. But it is such a cultural piece of our lives. We turn to it for both information for messaging. We even turn to internet and TV for wisdom. What to do next? What does someone say? What's going to happen? What you see there is people loving darkness. The confusion, the complications, everything's a crisis is because there's so much dark, and people love darkness. And as a side note, we should be looking for light, spiritual light, from only one person, Jesus. No one else has it. No one else can give it. No one else can offer it. You can't get it from someone else. It's just Jesus. And everybody needs him. 
and the world is screaming. Is it not? Is it not for light? It's screaming for it. I was going to ask myself, which I did, a simple question, and it only comes with a very simple answer. Brian, do you know what you can't do without the light? And the simple answer was, well, I can't see very well where I'm going. Maybe you, like me, have sometimes ended up in situations or there have been occasions when I've looked back and asked myself, how in the world did I find myself in this place? With me sometimes, it's because there was no light shining on my path and I ended up in dark places. You can't see where you're going without the spiritual light of Jesus. And when you go it on your own, you can't see where you're stepping, can't see where you're going, you end up where? Bad spots. And go back to our cultural peace, our TV and internet, and see what darkness provides. Violence, people lost, people hurting. That's what the light gives you. It paves the way. That other part of John 8 says, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you know what light also helps you do, spiritual light? It helps you know, another simple answer, what's right. That's the lighting of the path. Seeing where you're going. Leading you on the way. A favorite verse in an extraordinarily long chapter in the book of Psalms is the 105th verse of Psalm 119. Your word, right here, is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Do I want to know what's truly right? Do I want to know where to go? Do I want to see where my feet are stepping? And what my path, where my path leads? It's right here. And it's with Jesus. And there's no other light. Anyone else that portrays himself as the light is false. They're a liar. They're a fake. In high school, we used to call them posers. They're just posing as the light. They're not anything. It's a ruse. It's a trick. It's a trap. It's only Jesus. I was thinking about this light, and I was thinking about these words, and I was thinking about reading 
just the Gospels and reading about the life of Jesus and reading the words of Jesus. Try to do that easily without being exposed. It's hard. His life, his character, his acts, his words, his tenderness, his kindness, his gentleness, his love, his anger, his tears in the garden. It's convicting. It's exposing. And it's shedding light on our lives and leads us toward the lighted path, which is him. So that our lives, because we're in the light, look like his life. In our world, our small world, meaning my small circle of people, maybe you, and in the bigger world that we see out there far away from us, there's a lot of darkness because people are just blind and have no idea where they're reaching, have no idea where they're going. Maybe they're even led by people who proclaim to be the light or some sort of piece of wisdom or a person of guidance or a person of import who knows things. And they follow them, and they follow them to their death and their demise. And we do the same thing when we follow anyone or anything else other than Jesus. I was thinking about a verse that's not on a slide. It's in John 6. And Peter, after hearing some pretty hard words from Jesus, says, Lord, When others were leaving, others were abandoning Jesus. He says, Lord, do you know what it is? Remember the rest of it? To whom shall we go? Peter knew. There was no one else. No one else could provide the spiritual light. To who else are you going to go to, folks? Who else are you going to cry to? Who else are you going to run to? When it's dark, who, who are you going to go? Who are you going to go find? There's only one. There's only one. So, you might have been noticing my coal oil lamp here to my left. So, in that same house that split off to the den and the living room, the living room where the man with the knife was crouched and where the old people drank coffee and ate dessert after church on Sunday night. I mean, our house was populated, but tons of people sitting in there, you know, clinking coffee, you know, and we were all running around everywhere. One night in Mississippi, where I grew up, and we had huge, tall pine trees. Our yard had tons of pine trees. We had an ice storm, and a lot like here, we don't have tons of ice storms and snow, although it seems recently that a little different, but, I mean, generally speaking, you know. With this ice storm, and the limbs of those trees, and the trees cracked and broke, broke the electricity lines, and so the house was dark, the street lights were off, 
None of the houses, of course, in the neighborhood had any light. You could hear, I can still hear, the ice creaking and cracking on those limbs as the wind would blow it. And there was no light. We were in the dark. And it lasted for a couple of days. It took a while for the electricity to get back on. There was a lot of downed power lines, and it was just going to take a while. And I was sitting in, at the table when the lights went out, I remember. And we were anticipating the storm. We're watching it happen outside. It was about supper time. We had our TV trays, probably watching Gunsmoke. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> and it just went dark. And I remember that night, because my dad and mom knew that we would probably be scared. I mean, I was already worried about the man with the knife crouching. You know, he was for sure going to take advantage of the no electricity. So we all huddled in the den where life happened. We put down quilts, we put down our sleeping bags, and we grabbed our pillows and whatever else from our room. And we all stayed in the den. And my mom lit a couple of coal oil lamps, just like this one. And just like this one. Some of you might, if you came up and could smell what I smell right now, would jar your memory, but I remember the smell, and I can smell it. I remember the light. And you know what was interesting that night? I didn't think about it then. Of course, I haven't thought about it for years, but I thought about it in relation to light for these next three weeks. Is you know what? There was tons and tons of darkness. It was enveloping everything. The whole town was dark. The clouds were covered so the moon wasn't showing through. The creaking and crackling of the trees in the night. A perfect recipe for a fearful seven-year-old boy. But there was not enough darkness to put out that light. That light never went out. That light stayed lit. There was never enough darkness to put out that light. Jesus is that light. No matter how much darkness you see, and sometimes it seems like there's a lot, there's not ever enough to put out the light. So yesterday, we drove my oldest son to Fort Worth to move and I'm driving through Calvert and this sign I read keep the faith the light always wins always so we drove and I'm driving back from, Cal uh, from Fort Worth uh, Leslie and I and I say I gotta stop and take a picture of a sign because it just fits so I pull over in Calvert last night took this sent it to Monty he was gracious enough to put it and that's my message. And it's also the message of a verse that I want you to actually turn to. It's not on the screen intentionally. In your Bible or on your phone, turn to John chapter 1, and then I'm going to point you to a verse. The Gospel of John chapter 1.
John 1. And the verse says what I want you to take away. Verse 5. And the light shines on in the darkness, but the light has not overcome it. But the light has not been overcome. Or maybe mastered. Or maybe understood. I want you to pray with me for a second, please. Father, we thank you for the light. We thank you for the darkness does not overcome it. We thank you for the light that is Jesus. We thank you for the hope that is found only in you. May the message of the scriptures teach our minds and train our hearts to remember and recall and hope in the words of Jesus that he is the light of the world. The light has come The darkness didn't understand it. Darkness doesn't overcome it. Darkness can never master it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.